Breeding pigs for increased natural robustness to disease has become an important tool in the effort to raising healthier pigs in the modern swine production system. With a variety of disease pressures facing producers, using every tool in the toolbox is necessary to maintaining profitability and strong animal welfare. One swine genetics company is focusing their research on ways to further enhance pigs' natural robustness to disease. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us today. This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus is sponsored by Topics Norsven. Swine genetics company Topics Norsven is renowned for its innovative approach to implementing new technologies and its continuous effort to focus on cost-efficient and sustainable pig production. Research, innovation, and dissemination of genetic improvements are the cornerstones of the company. For more information, visit topicsnorsven.us. Dr. Janelle Dunkelberger is a swine geneticist at Topics Norsven. She spent the past four years there applying her research to the genetic programs at Topics Norsven. And in this episode, Dr. Dunkelberger explains what she and her colleagues have learned about the role that genetics play in managing swine diseases. She'll also share the results of some of her latest research into selecting pigs for robustness to disease as part of the company's breeding goal. In previous episodes, when you visited with us, uh, Dr. Janelle, we talked about this concept of robustness and why it's important. And I'd like to dive into that a little bit to set the stage for our conversation today. Why why is Topics Norseman interested in selection, selecting pigs for enhanced robustness to disease specifically? Yeah, thank you for that important question. As you rightly pointed out, that is an important area for our research group and something that we are devoting a lot of time, energy, and resources into to investigating. I don't think I have to convince you or anybody else that's listening that disease is a very important issue for our industry. I think that's because it impacts a number of different aspects of pig production. So it's a major threat to profitability, to welfare, and also to sustainability. In terms of profitability, we know that disease has an impact on performance. So animals that are sick are going to have reduced performance as a result. That comes with costs from a number of different aspects. One is cost due to treatment. Another is added costs to get that pig to market, because the more days that's required to get that pig to market, the more barn time, the more use of feed and other resources, et cetera. And obviously in the worst case scenario, an animal that's sick becomes a mortality, meaning there's one less animal to be sold or to be marketed. So all of those things impact uh, the economic of the production for the farmer. Another thing that I mentioned was animal welfare. So clearly an animal that's sick is not experiencing good animal welfare. So by breeding pigs for enhanced robustness to disease, we can also mitigate the impact that disease has on the welfare of the animal if and when it becomes exposed to disease. Both of those things, profitability or economics and welfare are also important aspects of sustainability. So obviously production has to be profitable in order to be sustainable and animal welfare is also an important aspect of sustainability, especially if we think now in terms of additional regulations, guidance, or pressure, however you want to call it, uh, regarding antibiotic treatment. 
because that appears to be coming more and more a priority of different groups in terms of their sustainability plans. But we can't simply reduce antibiotic treatment without filling that gap in some way or providing an alternative. And that's where breeding pigs for enhanced robustness to disease can also help to address that gap. It's an, it's an important goal and one that I, I find really interesting every time we've talked about this concept of robustness and the genetic component of it. So let's talk about the strategy here. You've highlighted what we're trying to do. How do you approach that and in, in this goal of enhancing robustness to disease in, in our pigs? So as a genetics company, there's really two main sets of genetics tools that we can use in order to make genetic improvement in our animals. So one option is to use genetic engineering. Gene editing, for instance, is probably the most popular example of genetic engineering. And that approach makes it possible to actually add, remove parts of a gene or even an entire gene. An alternative approach is traditional breeding. And with traditional breeding, it actually allows us to make use of existing genetic variation in robustness to disease. And we see that there is a lot of evidence in support of this approach, because even from looking at the literature, there is evidence of naturally occurring variation in robustness to disease. We've also shown that uh, from research conducted by our own group between and also within genetic lines. So this means that traditional breeding can be used as an effective approach to make genetic improvement in robustness. And it's the same approach that we use to make improvements in every other trait that's already in our breeding goal. So with that, our approach at enhancing robustness to disease is to use traditional breeding strategies with the primary focus of improving overall robustness to disease. So whether the animal is challenged with the viral pathogen, bacterial pathogen, combination, et cetera. And then secondarily, to improve robustness to a few specific diseases of interest, including PERS and strepsuis. Thinking about the pros, if you will, pros, cons, the benefits, uh, differences of one approach to genetic change versus the other, what are some of the benefits of the approach you described as, as what Topic Norseman's doing versus the alternative? Yeah, that's an important question. For gene editing, for instance, again, that's one example of a genetic engineering approach. I think the biggest perceived advantage is that there's this ability to create or introduce novel genetic variation. So introducing novel genotypes is clearly attractive because that, that gives us the opportunity to introduce a genotype that you cannot get any other way. But I think we also have to use caution about that approach because if you look to a place within the genome that lacks variation, meaning every animal would have the same genotype at that specific location, it typically means that, that regions like that are often conserved for a reason, usually because they're essential to certain biological processes. Another limitation is that by using this approach, you only have the ability to make an edit in one gene at a time. But traits like robustness are typically controlled by multiple genes. 
So at most, this type of approach only makes it possible to tackle robustness to a single disease at a time. So that's where I think an approach like traditional breeding, which particularly the use of genomic selection can be especially useful. Because with this approach, what we actually do is we make use of the effects of all genetic markers affecting that trait simultaneously. And again, this is the method that we're already using to make improvements in every other trait in our breeding goal, also caused by multiple genes with effects on that trait. And we've shown now that after use, years of using this approach, that it is reliable, it's effective, and it's a sustainable approach. Thinking about that tack and, and how you go about accomplishing that and moving that goal forward, what about the data? What, what, what kind of tools do you need to be able to really make this come together the way you described? To breed pigs for enhanced robustness to disease using traditional breeding strategies, we have to have what's called a reference population. And that simply means a very specific type of data set. It's a data set that we use where it's been collected under disease challenge conditions. So for every animal within the reference population, they have to have two main sources of information. They have to have a phenotype collected under disease challenge and genotypic information. That phenotype also has to be representative somehow of its robustness to disease. So that could be mortality or it could be a certain performance metric. The genotype information is actually the genotype of that individual at each of several thousand different genetic markers that are included on our genotyping panel. Then when we combine those two sources of information, we can estimate the value of each of those genetic markers for robustness to disease. So this also means that we can then predict an animal's genetic merit for robustness to disease for animals even outside of this reference population using only their genetic information. And that's actually the same way that we can predict genetic merit for any other trait, even when that trait hasn't been or maybe can't be measured on the animal. So for instance, it's why we can predict an animal's genetic merit for lifetime daily gain, even as a young animal. And the way that we quantify an animal's genetic merit is by estimating what we call a breeding value. So you've probably heard of this term before. Uh, it represents the value of that individual as a parent for the trait of interest. So if we think of this in terms of application, if we have a male and a female with a high breeding value for robustness and they're used as parents, their progeny would then be expected to have enhanced robustness to disease challenge. I'm curious to hear you describe that and, and all of the data that, that really backs this. What kind of research do we do? Any trials to, to validate that the approach works and that we can enhance robustness to disease in this way? Yeah, actually, we recently completed a disease challenge trial, which shows that we can make use of existing genetic variation for robustness within a population to actually make further improvements in robustness in a subsequent generation. So for this study, 
we used data collected from previous disease challenge trials as the reference population to estimate these breeding values for robustness. And we did that for all bores of a particular genetic line within a certain stud in the US. So once we estimated the breeding values for those bores, we then ranked those bores based on the breeding values. And we selected the 30 top ranking bores for robustness and the 30 bottom ranking bores for robustness to be used as sires to produce the pigs that we placed on test. So with this approach, then the objective was to estimate differences in robustness between their progeny groups. So for the boars that were selected based on high versus low breeding values for robustness to disease. Looking at the trial and what we learned, what were the findings? The main conclusion from this study was that first and foremost, these experimental breeding values for robustness worked. So we saw that values derived for sires using data collected from previous disease challenge studies could in fact be used to create differences in robustness among their offspring. In particular, we saw the most dramatic differences observed between progeny groups were actually detected during the initial challenge phase. So during the first three weeks post-infection. During that time frame, what we saw is that pigs of the high robustness group had numerically greater gain in feed intake, but they also had superior feed conversion. We also saw some interesting results in terms of mortality differences between these two groups during that phase. So during that first three weeks post-infection, in, post we saw there were twice as many mortalities observed for the low robustness group relative to the high robustness group. Then in terms of overall results, the high robustness group also had lower overall mortality rate, fewer coals, and more full value pigs. An interesting result that we saw was also a statistically significant difference between the two groups in terms of antibiotic treatment. So in particular, we saw that 14% of the pigs within the low robustness group required one or more antibiotic treatments throughout the duration of the study versus only 10% of pigs within the high robustness group. I mean, some really interesting results in that data set. I'm, I'm curious what you do now with the information that you've generated. How, how, do, you, how do you put that to work uh, in, in continuing to advance this goal of enhancing robustness in the pigs? And, and where do we go from here? All of the data that we collected from this study will be added to our existing reference population of animals with genotypes and phenotypes collected under disease challenge conditions. So collectively, all of these data will be used then to further improve breeding value estimation for enhanced robustness to disease. Because at the end of the day, this is a statistical exercise or methodology. So the more data that we have to do this, the more accurately we're going to be able to estimate breeding values uh, in the future. And as we wrap up our time together, uh, I just would love, because there's so much to pull apart here and dig into with these results. What are the, I think, the most important things or, or the key takeaways, if you will, that you would want someone listening to our conversation to walk away with? 
I think we have to focus on breeding pigs for enhanced robustness to disease to be successful, not just for the current in production environment, but also for future production systems. We think that using traditional breeding strategies is the best way forward because first of all, there is evidence that natural variation in robustness to disease already exists. So therefore, we don't need to introduce it using genetic engineering. We see evidence of naturally occurring genetic variation robustness to disease throughout the literature, not just in pigs, but actually throughout livestock species. And we also have some publications of work that we've conducted within our group that would provide evidence of between and within line variation. And then I just shared some results of, of what I like to call the proof of concept study that we just conducted, which actually shows that we can capitalize on that naturally occurring variation to make improvements in a subsequent generation through selection. So it validates that this approach of using traditional breeding to enhance robustness works. I think it's also important to remember that by using traditional breeding strategies, we have the capability to enhance overall robustness, which is a more sustainable approach than focusing only on individual diseases. And that's a limitation of genetic engineering. It's important, I think, to focus on this multiple or overall pathogen strategy because we don't know what pathogens are gonna exist in the future. So I think it's important for us to think about breeding pigs that are going to be successful at coping with whatever type of pathogen that they end up encountering. And traditional breeding, of course, has already been used for years. So it's a well-developed and effective technique. And it's also a natural approach, which I think resonates with the needs and concerns of our consumers. My thanks to Dr. Janelle Dunkelberger for her insights into the science of robustness and how Topics Norsen is working to improve swine health. You can read more of our coverage of the latest research in animal health and nutrition in the new dynamic digital edition of Feedstuffs, fresh off the digital presses. You can also find that latest issue and past editions by visiting Feedstuffs.com and clicking on Digital Editions. Thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Topics Norsven. Topics Norsven's approach of breeding pigs for enhanced natural robustness to disease challenges is a viable solution for disease control. You can learn more about Topics Norsven and their natural breeding approach by visiting the website topicsnorsven.us. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, or check out our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.